0: Well good morning everyone. Good morning. and welcome to worship in the fellowship hall at Pleasant Street Christian Reformed Church. Uh, for those of you who are visiting, my name is Matthew, I'm the senior pastor here on behalf of all of us. So glad that you could be with us today. And I, this is the second Sunday we've done this, I'm getting used to Instead of the long view to see all of you, the wide, the wide end. Right. So, especially with my pivot point here on the mic, I'm going to try to try to do this a little bit more today. Uh, but it's it's good to be with you uh, today, in person. Some of you are attempting to join us via live stream right now. We were hoping to be able to live stream the service. Unfortunately, we were not able to get that to work. However, it is being recorded. So, uh, thank you for joining us after the fact. Uh, for those of you who can't be with us in person today. Uh, the air conditioning is on and we are grateful uh, for this space and also for everyone who had a hand in helping us make worship in this room possible. And So thank you to all of you uh, who set up chairs and communion and all those things. Um, as we get started this morning, there's a couple things I want to highlight for you. The first is that uh, bulletins made their way to the fellowship hall. so. That's great, right? Uh, there's some upcoming information about things happening in the life of our church. There's just one I want to highlight for you. That's the church picnic, which is coming up at Fairwoods on August 14th, which is just actually just a couple weeks away. So please do join us for that. There's information about that in the bulletin. If you have questions, feel free to contact me or say in the church Prophets or one of the elders' meetings. But we'll hope to see you there for that on August 14th, which is not far away. It's, it's almost August and the picnics on August 14th, so there you go. Um, the other thing is that for today, in addition to the bulletin, we're trying to make things visible for everyone. We've raised the screen a little bit, but we also provided lyric sheets for the songs that be singing. If you don't have one, it's a bigger sheet of paper. If you don't have one, if you'd like one, please raise your hand because we are making some extra copies, and we will pass those around, right? Okay. Um, Anyone have any experience at ballparks passing peanuts? <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, uh, and thank you, uh, thanks to the elders for helping us make sure that we can all stay together in the things that we're singing and saying. Finally, speaking of things that we distribute, in a little while we get to celebrate cookies together, and so today we'll be doing that here in this room. We'll be using our surplus of single serve, uh, self-contained elements um, to make that easier for distribution. There is also a gluten-free option uh, for those of you who need or would like that, and I'll let you know when, when we do that as well. Uh, what else? Yeah, it's Family Sunday, right? And so on this fifth Sunday, we have a chance together as a church to remember that the church is a community that is not stratified or segregated by preference or value age or any of those things, that we are a community of young and old, uh, people, townies, transplants, of people who have been part of this church a long time, who are new, uh, so we sure. because so that's the thing right. that we have in common, the thing that we all have in common, is that Jesus came and found us, and Jesus is here, and so in his presence, you rise in body and spirit, let's begin our worship together. The worship is on the screen. In put it in. the Lord be with me. With me. Be congregation
1: in the Lord Jesus Christ, In whom do you trust? the name of the Why do you look at God?
0: How do we wake up? With power and spirit, we pray and we work. And how do we work? Yes. wisdom upon us this morning we might know your God. God of wisdom speak your revealing words to us that we might know the hope to which you call us so that we might do everything in word or indeed in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. For yours is the kingdom and the power and wish together we say speak for our
2: bow your heads with me and join me in a prayer of confession. Father, we are sorry for the many times we have left you and chosen to satisfy our own selfish desires. For the times we have hurt the members of our families by refusing to do our share of the family task. those who needed
3: our time and concern. Father, we We have sinned.
0: Forgive us. For the times we were too weak to stand up for what was right allowing allowed others to suffer. Father, we have sinned.
2: Forgive us. The time we refused to forgive others. Father, we have sinned. Forgive us. Please continue in silent confession. Hear these words of assurance from Psalm 103. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. As a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him. The steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children to those who keep His covenant and remember to obey His commandments.
0: Thanks be to God. When we gather for worship, we do so to use our voices to tell Jesus that He's beautiful and beloved. And we are reminded of His forgiveness and His grace to us. We are learning to respond Appropriately. one of the ways that we respond together, that we learn to say thank you, is by giving back to God out the lavishness of what He's given to us. So I want to invite our deacons to come forward and help us to do this together with a tangible act of trust and obedience by giving some of the money that God's entrusted to us for the work of our congregation and other congregations in the world. Let's respond to God. Oh
2: Did you have a good time? I got the opportunity this summer, a couple weeks ago, to go to Israel and uh, does anyone know who lived in Israel? Any ideas? You all can join in. in too. So we got to see some of the places where Jesus walked. And we also got to see some of the places. We went, we swam in the Sea of Galilee where Jesus' disciples fished. And we got to see where David bought Goliath. And so many other places we were in Jerusalem. And one of the things we did as we were there, we said the Shema every morning and every evening as we concluded our time together. Does anyone know, even the big people, what Shema means? And some of you have had my husband's class, so you probably should know what it is. You can. It means listen or hear, okay? So the people that we were on the tour with, I actually have a children's book that I would like to read to you. And it's also on the screen, so you all can follow along. It's called Hear the Little One. And you can actually, if you turn it upside down, it's for the evening and the, you can read it to your little ones in the morning and at night when they go back. Hear, a little one, how much God loves you. Because of God's love, we can love too. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. God reigns as the king, the one on the throne. Good morning, my child. Open your arms, wide eyes wide. God will always be right by your side. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Include God in every right from the start. Love the Lord your God with all your soul. Trust God with your life and give God control. Love the Lord your God with all of your might. Give freely to others. It's God's delight. Think about these things as we start our day. Make your bed, get dressed, and go out to play. The morning is waiting, so don't delay. God will give you what you need for today. We'll talk about these things wherever we go. God loves you so much, God wants you to know that when it's time to lie down in bed, together we'll read these words once again. Whatever you see, whatever you do, remember, little one, how much God loves you. Now, to end our time together, I just want to stand up and go behind the podium. I'd like to teach you the words we learned in Hebrew. So I'm wondering if you can all stand. Yeah. Is it okay Does this mic, Sue? So, the Shema often is taken from Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 9. And there's some Hand motions to go with it. So I'm wondering if you can help me. We'll Also, I'll teach you the Hebrew words for part of it, and we'll do the rest in English. Okay? So, repeat after me. Shema. Shema. Israel. Israel. Adonai. 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 E-ha. Adonai. E-ha. 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 Let's try it again.
1: Shmah,
2: Israel, Israel, Adonai, Elohadu, Adonai, Ehat. Here, O Israel, Israel, or here, O Pleasant, Pleasant Street. The Lord is our God, the Lord, God. The Lord alone. The Lord alone. Love, the Lord Love the Lord your God with all your heart. with all your soul, soul. and with all your might, might. and I'm going to add, and and love your neighbors as you love yourself. Thanks so much, kids, for being here.
0: reading us a story and teaching us thus We have a chance now as a congregation to lift our voices not only to repeat the Shema but to lift up the things that are important and precious to us as people we know and love. Places where people are happy and sad in our community and in our world. We have a chance to pray as a church. And we have looked at some words from Psalm 103 already to and since we're in the mood for repeating things, I'm wondering if during our prayer, I'm going to use Psalm 103 as kind of a template for our prayer. If you have a smartphone, you want to follow Psalm on 103, you're welcome to do that. But for all of us, I would like us to say a refrain together during the psalm. Do you think we should do that? Yeah? Okay. We didn't spend all our refrain words just now, did we? So here's how it's going to go. At points in this in the prayer I'm going to say bless the Lord my soul and I'd like you to echo it back. Just try that bless the Lord my soul bless the
1: Lord my soul all my inmost being praise his holy name
0: all my, being, praise, his name. All my being, praise his holy name very good so we'll do that and then I have one prayer request that I want to mention for us because I don't want it to come as a surprise during the prayer and that's that Ben Macucci was one of our kiddos in this church had something very scary happen to him yesterday. He had to go to the hospital because he had an appendicitis, and so he spent a portion of his day with his dad and with his mom in the hospital. And he was in good hands with the doctors, and they took care of him. And they decided that he needed to have a surgery to remove his appendix, which is part of your body. And they took it out, and everything went fine. And Ben is getting better very quickly. In fact, he's really hoping that he can go to the Cape, go to Cape with his family, Amen. which I think we all hope that he can recover there too. So we'll give thanks and we'll we'll pray for Ben during his very scary day yesterday. Well. Let's pray together. Bless the Lord, my soul. Bless, Bless the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, grace is holy. All my inmost being, grace Oh Lord. We do praise and bless you with all of our soul this morning. We praise and bless you for your gifts of water, and food, and air-conditioned climate, and sheltering sanctuary. We praise you for gifts of song and speech, and for the gift of your words and stories to us and the promises that they teach us. For all the benefits of grace and mercy in Jesus Christ. We praise you for abundance of grace and mercy that we receive in so many ways every day, just like the food that you place on our tables. Lord, you forgive all our sins. You bring us back to good health when we so. We ask that you would restore those who are suffering from ill health this morning. We pray for Audrey B, for Karen S, for Kathy B, for Mary for Dwayne Fee, for Ben, and for all those who are missing loved ones recently. We pray for Carol, and in the recent news about Lauren's sister Cindy, who has discovered a mass in her mom. Lord, for each and every one of these people, we name them to you, knowing that you already know them, their stories, their names, and how to help them. So we lift them up to you now. Lord Jesus, you save us from all evil, inundate us with your love and compassion. We ask that you would draw near to those who face diagnoses that threaten illness that harms. Help us in our health and sickness not to forget your past. To be ever mindful of that, bless the Lord, my soul. Bless, bless the Lord, my soul. Lord, my All Lord, my inmost being, praise His name. All my inmost being, praise His name. Lord, you provide nourishment and rejuvenation to our bodies and minds and soul. You rescue us from the pit. We praise you for rescuing people from floods in Kentucky and from wildfires in California and Texas. Give you thanks for all the people who are safe now and who have been able to evacuate. We grieve the many who have been injured or who have died, and all those who have lost their home, or their lives, or their communities. Please come near to those who are grieving in your love and compassion and comfort them in their suffering. Further away, we know that there are places that are hurting a little. Bit pray for justice and for restoration in this world. We lift up to you the war in Ukraine, those who are fighting and those who are grieving. We ask that you bring peace Lord. We pray for the parts of the world that are experiencing drought, especially in places that have not faced it before. We pray that you would provide water and that you would provide willing and open hands for those who happen to share with Lord, we know that through you there will be justice for the suffering of your people, and in your time there will be a whole new world that you will make brand new. You work righteousness and you work justice for the oppressed and the suffering. And so we give you thanks and we say, Bless the Lord my soul. <laughs> okay. Bless the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being praises whole. Praise Lord, just as you yield yourself to most long ago, so too, you reveal your name and your will to us today. We deserve to die for our evil ways, but you do not accuse us without end, nor do you harbor your anger forever. You don't treat us as our sins deserve, but you bestow unconditional and boundless love on us. We pray for all those who are reading your words and learning to trust in you. Open their eyes as they read your word to see your promises fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Open their eyes to see that you, Lord, are slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And through it, you free us completely from the price of our transgressions. Bless the Lord my soul. soul. All thy inmost being praise his holy name. And we together cherish your compassion child cherishes the compassion of our parents. We know that without it, we would be dust, alive and growing one day and blown away within the next, fading even from memory. And yet because of your compassion, Lord, we are not consumed. Because of your compassion, we get a life of eternity, a gift that you promised to future generations of those who trust in you as well. And so we pray for those whose memory is faded and whose strength is failing as they grow. Help them and us to hold tightly to your promises, your obedience to your will. Bless the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Lord, you are, from your mighty throne, you will us. The earth is yours and everything, the world and all within it, the angels in heaven and all creation and every believer. Worship for Christ our Lord, praising the Holy Name. Bless the Lord my soul. All my inmost being praises Holy.
3: Proverbs, and if you are following along in your own Bibles, um, I will bop around a bit. So you can look to your bulletin for a reference. From Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Proverbs 10, 1. The Proverbs of Solomon. A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son brings grief to his mother. Proverbs 27, 8. Like a bird that flees its nest, is anyone who flees from home. Proverbs 19.18 Discipline your children, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to their death. Proverbs 22.6 Start children off on the way they should go. Even when they are old, they will not turn it. Proverbs 27. The righteous lead blameless lives. Blessed are their children after them. Proverbs 30, 11-14 There are those who curse their fathers and do not bless their mothers, those who are pure in their own eyes and yet are not cleansed of their filth, those whose eyes are ever so haughty, whose glances are so disdainful, those whose teeth are swords and whose jaws are set with knives Devour the poor from the earth and the needy from among mankind. In Proverbs 3 11 through 12, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. The word of the Lord.
0: this summer thematically, because if you've ever read it, they're scattered all over the place. And so we've <coughs> gathered some of these proverbs from different places together under some headings and themes, and looking at, at that and sustained kind of reflection together. If you join me in prayers, we can start. Wow. Lord Jesus, all over the scriptures. God is referred to as Father. And this morning, we are people who know what it is to feel lost, who know what it can be like to feel scared in a grocery store, who know what it's like to be abandoned, to have people who love us not there when we we know what it is like to be without a compassionate and loving Father. And Jesus, that is why we are so grateful this morning. Because when you came here, you were always calling God your Father. You were telling us what your Father was like. And then you gave your life so that we could call him Father too. And so that no matter where we go in could know that because and through you, God is our Father and we are your children. And so calling him Father, we trust now that not only does he receive us, but he also teaches and trains us. And so we ask that by your Holy Spirit you come and guide us. By the time that Frank Abagnale Jr. had turned 19, he'd already worked as an airline pilot, a doctor, and a lawyer, or at least he had pretended to be all three. Frank Abagnale Jr., if you don't know, was a con artist and a thief in the mid 20th century who conned people out of millions of dollars. He was a very good. His story was made famous by a film which is actually 20 years old, it or not, called Catch Me If You Can. In the film, there is a scene late in the movie that imagines a conversation between Frank Jr. and his father, Frank Sr. You see, in the film, what drives Frank Jr. to steal is a desire to help his dad, who lost most of his wealth to the IRS and his wife to a lodge buddy. So there is a scene late in the film where Frank Jr. surprises his dad at his regular bar school after work one day. The dad is surprised, and as they sit down, Frank Jr. opens a beautiful, expensive leather briefcase, and he pulls out an invitation to his wedding. Dad, I'm getting married, he says. Abigail wants his father to come to the wedding, understandably, because he wants to bring his parents back together. He hopes that this might be the opportunity for his dad to win his mom back, but the, the conversation doesn't go well. He learns that his mom has actually remarried. And in a fit of frustration, he stands up to leave. Buckling this leather-bound briefcase, Frank says, Dad, it's, it's over. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop it on right now. But you've, his father replies, that they're never going to catch you, Frank. Cajoling his son, he says, Sit down. Sit down with me. Have a drink. I'm your father after all. Frank Jr. leans into his dad's face and he says, Then ask me to stop. Then ask me to stop. Dad replies, You can't stop. And of course, what we know is he means I can't. South. And what I think is so important, striking about that scene is that in this relationship between this father and this son, it was the son who understood intuitively that it was his dad's job to warn him when he was walking down the road of unrighteousness. Frank Jr., wealthy, wayward, knew that it was his dad's job to discipline that is a sentiment that the book of Proverbs could get behind. For the sages in Israel, discipline is a deeply important theme. But it is strange to us, I think, to imagine an early 1960s con man craving the discipline of his father. Because, well, our world is not so different. In, In a world full of cravings like hours, discipline is not usually on the menu for remedies. Hungry? Why wait? You know the rest. Grab a snickers. No one is advertising. Hungry? You ought to wait. Practice patience. But the thing is, every one of us wants a full, whole, healthy life in the world. It's just that when we imagine this whole, healthy, full, mature life, we're not usually imagining discipline as part of it. A life of of being able to yield your will, to show restraint, to forgo your own interests for the sake of others. Now, biblically speaking, that is a full human life. We don't think of that as the path of freedom, though. And yet, Proverbs suggests that a willing submission to those in authority over you is actually the path to a free and free life. So it was St. Augustine who wrote to new monks who were just coming under those vows of poverty and chastity and obedience, of which obedience is always the hardest one. He wrote to new monks in his rule of life who had just taken these vows, and he said to them, you don't know it yet, but to submit to your superiors is actually an act of kindness to yourself. Now we all know that when you start talking about discipline, there are some who advocate discipline in a curmudgeonly way. Uh, There are those with crusty opinions who seem to think that the answers to all the problems in the world are simply more discipline. What's wrong with kids? No discipline. What's wrong with society? No discipline. But we shouldn't confuse these two things because unlike that voice of punishment, the sages in Proverbs, they don't treat discipline as this negative, punishing thing. For them, discipline is a wholly positive thing. See, when Proverbs describes the characteristics of the wise, one of those characteristics is a person who welcomes discipline and who knows how to influence others in their orbit from that same place, who can raise a family with discipline as well. In fact, the whole book, as we've seen already, it imagines itself as a conversation between a father and a son. The father is relaying wisdom on behalf of he and his wife to a son that they hope one day will heed this wisdom. We heard it earlier, a couple weeks ago, in Proverbs chapter one, verse verse eight. Hear my son, the father says, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Except you know what the word is? It's shema, which may sound familiar. We just learned it a little while ago. Shema, or the son father's teaching and your mother's instruction, which is intentionally set in parallel with those verses in Deuteronomy 6, Shaman, O Israel, Uh, Yahweh, the father, speaks to his son, Israel. Hear, O son, Israel. And as Ellen Davis points out, what Proverbs is doing is it's setting the teaching in the same sacred tradition as God's instruction. Which only heightens the intensity of those verbs, verses that we heard. Train a child in the way he or she should go and they won't depart from it even when they're old. Which may be the most famous proverb in the book and also one of the most painful. Because in that verse we discover the difference between a line of code in a machine and a path of wisdom which we can point out, but not everyone always thinks. It's one of the most misunderstood and misapplied verses, too. For those beginning families, it's sometimes described as a promise, as if you just do this, then everything will go fine. For those who have wavered children, it becomes damning evidence that you didn't do it. Proverbs 22.6 is not a promise. Many of us know folks who did all the things that Proverbs might suggest to train their children and still scratch their heads about the way that the kids turned out. And others scratch their heads over the way that they did parents and the wonderful children that they had in spite of them. Proverbs 22.6 is a reminder that families and mentors, foster parents, coaches, maybe even PhD teen supervisors have a wonderful opportunity. It is the opportunity to be attentive to the the skills, interests, and the fears, and the longings, and the gifts of the individuals who are in their care. It is a mandate to pay attention to this child, this student, It's not encouragement to treat a child as formless clay, but as a budding and growing human person who bears the image of God. It is encouraging us with the privilege to set them on a road to wisdom, which is, of course, the road that we should all go. Families, mentors, foster parents, they get to do this from their very first interaction. The sages show us that family relationships like these are the ones that shape us. In families, we learn to lie or to tell the truth. We learn to value others or to assert ourselves. We learn the skills of verbal and physical war, or we learn what it is to be nonviolent. We learn to bless or to scheme. In families, we learn to nurture community or to tear at the fabric and stir up conflict. And as Proverbs tells us, God despises those who tear the fabric. We hear it in those strong, striking words of Proverbs 6 that deception and lying, arrogance, murder, conflict in all its forms tears at the of community and stench in God's peace. And so the sages are showing us, among other things, that the stakes are really high for families, because family is the first place that we learn the wisdom of the life that is pleasing to God. Families teach wisdom. Proverbs tells us, because wisdom is not an abstract thing, it's embodied, it's mediated through the words and actions, the rhythms and habits that shape the place that we call home. Home is where the wisdom should be. And so Proverbs 28, 27, 8 encourages us that to flee your home is as foolish as trying to fly with unfledged wings. To love of wisdom is to orbit the world that you inherit from your fathers. It's to live at this house and in the joy of its company. It's the fool, says Proverbs twenty-nine who longs for the distant city where cheap friends and expensive women eventually run out, and so does the money. But home, home, Proverbs says, is where wisdom is, because wisdom is where this. Families teach because they discipline. So the sages warn all of us with urgent longing. Discipline your children, for in that there is hope. Don't be a willing pardon to the that. At home, our families teach us because at home, among other things, we hear no. Right? You know, I don't know about you, but I hear a lot of people talk about the problems of parenting today, and the answer is simply that we need to say no more. Several years back, I was teaching a class on youth culture at a congregation during a summer internship and the class. As it began, I was saying to these parents of high schoolers that growing up has become very difficult and very dangerous for young people in a way that it may not have been for us. Children, students—they face—they face things that many of us can't even imagine. That's what I was saying. But the well-meaning parents—they just heard our kids are undisciplined, which is what they had already surmised. Right? And so I asked them for questions, and they told me the answer. We just need to discipline them. They don't work hard. It. It's too easy for them. They need to hear no. Oh, maybe. In Proverbs, those advocates saying, no, we've heard it more than once from more than one place today. Maybe that is what we need more of in our world. But then again, when I was younger still, I worked as a lifeguard. And I remember hearing very firm notes from a father. See, as a lifeguard, it's your job to sit in a chair eight feet up in the air above everybody else and watch that's what they trained me to do, and that's what I was doing. And I was scanning the shallow end of the pool, and there was a family of visitors in my section. It was a mom and a dad and two sons. Backpacks and a wagon parked on the deck with chairs. I noticed that the father and the older son, they were in the shallow end. Dad was a big man. His son is maybe seven. Goggles on. The is trying to learn to swim and to move around. He's trying to explore. But the dad has his arms out in front of him, and he keeps corralling toward the wall. Dad would get up close to his son physically blocking the child from swimming. The son is whimpering and dad is saying, no, no. You can't go there. You can't go there. Stop it. Stop it. Years later, I hear you now. It reminds me of something that the parenting author Peggy Amaro once said, which is this. The way that we talk to our children becomes their inner voice. I wonder what that little boy's inner voice sounds like. Now. So maybe we do need to hear no more. But the sages tell us that when it comes to discipline, there's more to it than just telling your children no firm and consistently. Proverbs 10:1 expresses instead something positive: beautiful longing. wise son brings joy to his parents, even as a foolish one brings grief. You see, the wise parent doesn't have their sights set on a compliant child that would be easier. The wise parent has their sights set on wise children. Mom and dad rejoice when they see wisdom bubbling up, growing up from when they're within their children, which assumes, of course, that mom and dad know wisdom themselves. That mom and dad have tasted and seen the authentic, real wisdom thing. And so that they know how to rejoice when we see it budding with the children. The sages tell us that discipline isn't just about a firm no, it's also about knowing God's righteous yes. It is the discipline of no, but also it is the discipleship of a beautiful yes, of a good life, and a positive. Or as Proverbs 27 says, the righteous, they lead blameless lives and blessed are the children who walk and step after them. While the sages do talk a little about parenting technique, I think they're far more interested in the parenting why? Why? What are you raising them for? And that is a question that has everything to do, not just with the small kids' crowd, but society as a whole. In Proverbs 30, we hear these words from this elderly sage named Augur who's at the end of his life, and he's looking back over all the things that he's learned and reflecting on it, and he looks at the world and he sees a whole generation of people who seem to have forgotten the why. There are those who disrespect their elders. They have nothing kind to say to them. And that's, there's a generation that thinks itself justified, but can't see how filthy they are. There's a generation of people who can't see past their own nose, much less ever care about a neighbor. A generation that sees only their own desires and takes what it wants, no matter the cost, with sharpness. A generation that couldn't care less if having it means that you don't. It's tough. Augur looks out and he laments a generation coming after him blind to its rapacious greed and elder neglect. Isn't it interesting that those two things go together? We don't often think about the connection between unchecked desire and disrespect for our elders, but but Augur shows us that they stem from the same root. Self-absorption. Some parenting books, they wonder what's wrong with the kids and why don't they obey, but as folks have pointed out, the answer to what's wrong with the kids is, well, it's in the mirror. All they have to do is shrug and say, I don't know, the ones who raise us. June, a couple of years ago, Reverend Dr. Tim Keller stood before the entire British Parliament at a prayer breakfast, and he was talking about this generation. And he asked a question, he asked there if modern Western culture can actually train up people anymore toward the things that we idealize, like the common good and justice and public service. Drawing on a philosopher named Charles Taylor and the work of sociologist Keller's answer was no. But why? This is what he said. Bear with me for a second. The common good, justice, pluralism, all of these things which we value, they require, well, they require self-sacrifice. And yet, what we are teaching each other and our young people today is you have to be true to yourself. Follow your inner light. Don't let anybody tell you what is right or wrong. Be true to yourself no matter what your family or your community says. Actually, especially if your community or family disagrees. You don't sacrifice for them, they adjust to you. You See, ideals of justice and common good, they require self-deniers. But what we are producing, Keller said, and our families and our society are self-actualizers who critique everything in history from their point of view. And as Bible scholar Ellen Davis points out, people absorbed in the present cannot love the past and they also cannot imagine a future. And it's always the children who suffer most when it happens. So our only hope is to learn to love wisdom, to come home to our father's house. Sages point the way. They tell us that the way home is through the disciplining voice of our righteous Father in heaven who rebukes, who disciplines, who calls back, and who also casts for us a very different future. Sometimes God calls out of a whirlwind, sometimes through the voice of Jesus. Which is how Isaiah always imagined it would go when the future came. He said it would be a little child that would lead the wayward people home. And of course, Isaiah was talking about God's own son. The word of God made flesh. God's little boy. to us. The very words of Jesus are God's words to us. That's what Jesus says. And Jesus used those words to speak of a beautiful kingdom. And he described it. He said it was so valuable that it was worth everything that you have and more. So sell it all. Give it away. Give it away. Get rid of it. Lean your life into this coming kingdom of justice and peace. Lose yourself in that and you will find something truly worth having. Give up revenge and pray for your enemies. Put the children on your lap and follow me. Follow me, for I am the way home. Jesus leads us home with words of longing and rebuke for we have all strayed, like lost sheep and younger siblings in countries far from home. Jesus leads us into the joy and delight of his righteous Father. He says, through me, you get to call them father to Just now, that same Jesus leads us to a table. A table, a kind of family for whom? For disciples. At that table, Jesus says, take, eat, remember, and believe, because this is my body given for You, this is my bloodshed for you, for you, for you. Which are, of course, the words that will give you the deepest and most healing wounds. They are words rich with longing for a kingdom that is coming even now. They are words of love from a father, from your father, from our father, who disciplines those he loves as a father, the children. Keep the lights. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Grace, presence, power to where we are. Pray this in your name. this fellowship hall here, the Lord who speaks to us also has prepared a meal to feed us. It's as real as juice and a piece of bread and even more filling if you can believe that. Friends, this is the table of the Lord and he has prepared everything and all is ready. So all we have to do is come and receive. We are going to take the communion together first by saying some words of prayer and remembrance and then the elders will distribute some of those elements to us let's pray friends the lord be with you set your hope on god the grace of the lord jesus christ be with you all friends this is the table of the lord and he invites all who love him and trust in him alone for their salvation to sit with him and to share this joyful feast. Together we say, it is our today, We thank you, God, and, to deal,
1: and for us
0: today and we, all of right. we thank you, God, creator of all. You gave us life and loved us before we knew you. We thank you, God, for your son Jesus, his death. Us from sin, His resurrection gives us life. His return will bring us to live in God's house forever. We thank you, God, for the Holy Spirit. May the Spirit make this bread and juice a holy meal of faith. Amen. You guys have some questions. We come to this table because Jesus invites us here. To remember Him, Jesus tells us to eat this broken bread and drink this cup in true faith and to keep doing this until He comes again. In this meal, God tells us that our sins have been completely forgiven through the one sacrifice of Jesus Christ. On the cross, Jesus' body was broken and Jesus' blood was shed. God also tells us that the Holy Spirit makes us one with Christ and through Jesus, one with all other Christians. Let us all together, young and old, familiar and new, remember the story of how this meal came to us. The night before Jesus was arrested, he was eating with his disciples. Like always, he took some bread and he thanked God and he broke it. But on this last night with his friends, he added some wonderful words. This is my body, which is given for you, this to remember me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, and after giving thanks to God, he gave it to them. he said, this cup makes you sons and daughters washed in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do this to remember me. So now, following Jesus' example and his command, we take this bread and cup, which are the ordinary things in the world that Christ has made special. And so even today when we eat this bread and drink this cup, we remember Jesus' death until... Let's say it together. Christ has died. Christ, Christ is risen. Christ. Amen. Come then, people of God, to the joyful feast of our Lord. Please pray Loving God, you made this world marvelous for us to enjoy. You gave us Jesus to be our Savior, Lord, and Friend, and to bring us to you. You send your spirit to through your goodness we have this bread and wine to offer which the earth has given and human hands have made. May we know your presence in the sharing of this bread. And through your word may we know the power of your salvation. We celebrate because Jesus shared his life with disciples and shared it with the church and shares it with us now. Make us one in Christ and one with each other through this people. Amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, come for everything is ready. These are the gifts of God and the people of God. Okay. Fed, we should say thank you. Let's do that together. Jesus, for your amazing sacrifice that has made us clean and forgiven and free. Thank you. We thank you Jesus. For this bread and wine that helps us remember your amazing love for us. We thank you, Jesus. For making us part of your body, the church. We thank you. Jesus. For blessing us so that we can bless others in the world. who has brought us here, promises to set us out full of grace and to be with us wherever this week it takes you. Would you rise in body or in spirit, at home or in the room, and receive God's blessing. Friends, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face towards you and give His peace. Amen. Let's go sing